0: It's funny because people will watch the news and allow that to inform their investing decisions, but I personally have never met a successful person in investing that was using the news and headlines as their way to choose their investments and move money around. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, I'm David Thompson, and here's Leo Sabo, and in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing a multi part series on investing. And so in the last episode, we talked a lot about the basics of investing. And we talked about diversification and stocks and bonds and mutual funds. And in this episode, we're going to dig deeper. We're going to talk about risk tolerance, how the news influences your investing decisions, and how you can stay on your investment path, uh, understanding your risk tolerance and how the news affects you.
1: Yeah, David, I'm really looking forward to this discussion because I think investing is difficult not because of the financial side, but because of other factors. And some of what we're going to talk about today, we'll dive into some of the reasons why investing seems to be very difficult for most. In fact, investing, especially in the stock market, through the purchase of mutual funds or index funds, as we talked about in the last episode, is actually quite simple. If you simply go by the historical data, the fact that the market has returned an average of 11.3% over an 82-year history, and you invest in the market consistently over your working life, it just proves that you will have a significant amount of wealth stored up. Yeah, That's absolutely. just a math thing. If you believe those numbers, and they've been true for 82 years, and you just do it, then you'll have a good nest egg set aside. You'll have a good lifestyle. You'll provide a comfortable lifestyle for yourself and your and your family, but- it's not that easy, is it? <laughs> Why is it that the math works, but yet we still struggle with this?
0: Yeah. Well, and you're, and you're talking about an 11% return over 82 years. That means that your money doubles every seven years yeah. and a little bit more often than that. So if you had, uh, let's say you had invested 50000 over the first, you know, so many years of your career, and then it grew and it doubled to 100000 and then 200000 and then 400000 and 800000 Yep it would have time to multiply multiple times. You'd be okay. Yeah. And so if mathematically most people can do this, why don't we? Well, it's because we're irrational. It's because we're <laughs> emotional. It's because we have feelings that run contrary to logic uh, and contrary to statistical data. Yes. You know, we see the stats but our emotions take over. Um, You know, humans, we're the only creature that worries about the future. That's right. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it's that worry and that fear of things that you can't control. It's when you see the news, you see reports, you see things coming out, and everybody has a spectrum of risk Mm-hmm. that they personally are uh, feel comfortable with. Yeah. They personally feel like, hey, I can handle this. Some people are more risk-averse than others. Uh, some people never like to lose anything at all. If they mm-hmm. lose even the littlest bit, they get so scared and they start to pull their money away. Right. And, and then there are people who are comfortable with a little bit more risk, and there's people who are really comfortable swinging for the stars and going after big investments, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not afraid if they fail because they're looking for the next one. And so we've got to understand our risk tolerance. Right. That's the technical name for this is what's your personal risk, risk tolerance. And this is a term that you should be well acquainted with. Uh, you've got to understand that this has a deep impact on how you're going to reach your investment goals.
1: Yes. What is risk tolerance? Let's define that real quick. Risk tolerance is an investor's ability, that's you, to psychologically endure that's an interesting way to put it. Endure. The potential of losing money on an investment. So you have to have you have to be psychologically prepared to lose money. That's the risk you will intake. A person's risk tolerance can change throughout his or her life and it determines what type of investments he or she is likely to make. As you said David, there are different types of risk tolerance. We all will allow a certain amount of risk before yeah. we start worrying or, or pulling a trigger on something that we should just kind of leave alone. So let's talk about the different risk tolerance that people have.
0: Yeah. Well, if you want to learn your risk tolerance, you can just go to Google and type in risk tolerance assessment or risk tolerance quiz. And on the first page, you're going to find six, seven, eight different mm-hmm. tests you can take. But here's what some of the results will be. Uh, for some people, you're going to see that you might have a high Risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And these are investors that are aware of the ups and the downs of investing in the stock market. They get it. They get that sometimes it's going to go up and sometimes it's going to go down. Oftentimes in the investing world, these people are labeled as aggressive Mm -hmm. uh, because they usually purchase mutual funds that are called the aggressive allocation. And what that means is that they're primarily involved in stocks. Instead of bonds right. and other investments that might be a little bit slower growing, uh, they're looking more on the stock side. Maybe 100% stocks, 90% yeah. stocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a deep understanding of the history of the stock market, and their inclination allows them to you know purchase highly volatile investments. Yeah. And when I say highly volatile, maybe over the history, uh, maybe over 20 years, that set of that portfolio has never lost money. But in three years, it could lose 10%, 20%, 50%. Right. That's right. highly volatile. Yes. You know, you know, if you need this money three years later and it drops by 30%, that's a volatile investment. So these mm-hmm. people realize I may be down in the next three to five years, but in the next 10, 20, 30 years... I'm probably going to be okay. Uh, A lot of times you'll see these folks in in company stocks that if it goes to zero, they're not worried about it because they've diversified their portfolio Mm -hmm. because they've got a balance to how they manage. Uh, Now, I'm saying a balance. uh, These guys are still labeled as aggressive. They're the high tolerance. Um, They usually don't have a lot of low-risk investments because they're looking for higher returns. They're looking for maximum returns. And in order to get the highest returns, you have to take a higher
1: level of risk. Yeah. I agree. And I wonder though, how much of that is nurture or nature? Hmm. Meaning, do people over time, can they learn enough information and learn enough about the stock market to become more comfortable with risk? Is that possible? Or does it really go back to just instinctively how our makeup is? Are we more likely to be risk averse, to avoid risk or avoid the potential loss if we were raised in an atmosphere where maybe things were unsafe, maybe we grew up in an environment where uh, there was instability and there wasn't you know, the, the encouragement that you could do anything, yeah. you can be anything, uh, you can go for it, don't worry about failure. Whereas maybe most, I don't know, a lot of people I think were raised to just a typical school um, education <laughs> that we deal <laughs> right, with, right? right? If you're going to pass a test and there's a pass or fail and nobody wants to fail. So I think to a degree, all of us have been exposed to failure as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads into how we invest. So that's the high risk tolerance, folks. Uh, what about the moderate risk tolerance? These are these are people that are not the aggressive type, <laughs> right, but right. they're more, um, they, they have a little bit of aggressive in them, but they're also very cautious in some way. So talk about them.
0: Yeah, there's a good balance here. So you're looking at people who are willing to take risks. They're not afraid of risk, but they're going to balance their risks with some lower risk investments. So Mm. usually they're going to balance out their portfolio with kind of a 50-50 mix between Mm. stocks and bonds, maybe 60-40 or 40-60. They do want the upside. They are going to invest in the market where we do see a long-term historical return. But they're also going to invest in things that are more steady and yeah. consistent.
1: They're just not willing to take as big of a risk right. as the aggressive investor is. Right. Because they realize that the swings in the up and down of the market, that's something that would make them feel afraid or or they just don't have the tolerances to, to stand it. Right. So they're they're saying, okay, if I can risk some of it but I'm gonna keep some of it safe. That's really the approach that I see that most of those people take.
0: Yeah, and this happens a lot when you only have a five to 10 year time horizon, Mm -hmm. because if you've got 20, 30, 40 years, and you know that over the history of the market, that the market has done very well over a long period of time, then you feel pretty comfortable in a high risk, highly aggressive hmm. portfolio. I say maybe, you. Maybe. I say you. So <laughs> if you're uh, moderate, you probably don't, no and, matter
1: how much time you have. Yeah.
0: And and here I am speaking more from the <laughs> ag- aggressive and yeah. uh, you know high risk tolerance side. So we'll dig into that personal side in a minute. But my point here is that if you only have five to ten years to invest you probably shouldn't be aggressive. You probably should uh, maybe balance out your high risk tolerance yeah, I agree with that. and begin to look at, okay, how am I going to balance this But with a little bit more bonds uh, just so that if something goes wrong, I've got some money that is not likely to dip dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times you'll see people with a moderate risk tolerance investing in high dividend paying companies. Mm -hmm. These are usually companies that have been around for a long time, and every year they pay out some of their profits to their shareholders. Mm -hmm. And so if you own a piece of stock, they send you a little check every year. And that feels very comfortable uh, if you're investing into a stock to see every year they send you some cash. You're like, okay, this company must be doing all right. Yep. So you'll see people land there. Uh, it doesn't mean that you won't see those dividend paying stocks in a high risk portfolio or a low risk portfolio, but you'll see it more often here in that moderate risk tolerance area. Mm hmm. So Leo, what does it look like when we're looking at somebody who has a low risk tolerance?
1: Hmm. So low risk investors are willing to accept little to no volatility in their investments portfolio. Uh, They often uh, are retirees who have spent decades building a nest egg and are unwilling. They really, they don't want to take any kind of risk to their original principal, And that makes sense for people who are close to retirement because you don't want to take huge risks when you could potentially lose half of your nest egg, which now you need to live on. So these are low-risk investors. Uh, they target vehicles that are guaranteed and highly liquid, meaning they're not stuck in them, it's not going to swing up or down, and it's money they can have access to right away because more than likely they'll need it. Risk-averse individuals opt for bank certificates of deposit, CDs, money market accounts, annuities, or U.S. treasuries to preserve their capital along with minimal gains, which they're willing to take, they have that safety, that security that they need to have because again, they have a low risk tolerance.
0: Yeah, so when we look at these and you begin to read a little bit about that high risk, that low and moderate, Leo, where do you think that you kind of personally stand (laughs) in this and what's that look like in your life?
1: Yeah, honestly, I am probably more between low risk to mid risk uh, type of investor. I don't like the swinging up and down, uh, to be honest. I don't know why that is. Over time, I have learned to take bigger risk when I've invested. So I have invested aggressively, but it I won't lie to the fact that it makes me uneasy when the market's doing the big swings. So the way I deal with that is I, I recognize and I believe the statistics. So I follow the statistics, but I also have chosen to invest in real estate, which again because of my low risk tolerance or moderate to low risk i've sought that 50 percent or so formula where i can put my money into something that's more um, secure i have more control over it and therefore i kind of go between these two different real estate and securities because that gives me that sense of hey even if i were to lose a pretty big chunk in a short period of time from my investing in the market my real estate stays pretty steady and continues to grow so that gives me that ability to sleep at night and not worry about it. But I won't lie to you, when the economy is looks like it's going down, I'm I'm thinking about should yeah. I should I pull out? Should I go to cash? So I have recognized, especially over the last couple of years, as you know, with the economy, everything that's been happening, I have realized and I've noticed that I am more likely to to listen to those or watch for those those news, you know, headlines yeah. that are warning me if something's going to happen. So that's just being totally transparent. I am more of a low-risk type of investor.
0: Yeah, well, I don't want to label us, Leo, but if I had to throw some words out, (laughs) Uh, I would say maybe a little bit conservative in general, Uh, not extreme. Um, I wouldn't say that we're exactly middle of the road, but we're not going to the far left or the far right. Right. Um, We are the kind of people who, uh, we we find a path that works and Mm -hmm. we typically stick to it and we're consistent over a long period of time. Now, I'm not saying that we're always like that in every scenario, but I can tell you, Leo, that you and I are right now are both wearing blue shirts. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty safe choice for a guy in the in the yeah. business no world. No pink here. No pink over <laughs> here. Yeah, we don't have sparkles. We don't have, you know... We, we, it, it's it, funny. So when I look at us, Leo, I've got to say, you and I are probably not the, the super high-risk tolerance, extreme mm-hmm. end-of-the-spectrum type of person. But what's interesting is that, you know, we really took this and applied it a lot to the stock market. But what really happens is the more, you said nature versus nurture, the more that you... Learn mm-hmm. the more that you're nurtured in an area, the lower the risk you have in that area. That's true. Uh, so, true. when our, our nature may be more conservative, but mm-hmm. as we learn and grow, then we're able to step out and do things that most people wouldn't do. Uh, right. We both do public speaking, and yeah. we'll be in front of an audience of a hundred people, a thousand people, mm-hmm. uh, and and that doesn't scare us because we have learned how to do it. Now there right. may be some you know butterflies, no course. doubt, of course. But but that's not. Most people would say, "Oh, you know, I'm not comfortable being in front of the audience." But we learned skills that took us there. And so I would say that in general, we may both lean towards the lower risk tolerance side or the moderate even, but as we learn and grow, Mm -hmm. I'd say we've both moved to high risk tolerance in the areas that we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So when I see you purchase a vehicle and fix it up and flip it and sell it to somebody else for a profit, or you just work on it for fun and then you put money into it and then you sell it for a profit... I see that happen and you're not afraid because you know Mm -hmm. exactly what it's going to cost to put into that vehicle and exactly what you're going to get out of it within a couple hundred dollars or maybe a thousand dollars. When you purchase real estate, you have read book after book and listened to podcasts and research and gone to seminars. You've learned Uh, how to evaluate the risk of a new tenant, how to evaluate the risk of a property. So something that would be a high risk for me trying to buy and sell a car or jump into a rental real estate market right now, that would be a higher risk for me. And I don't have the tolerance to take that on because I don't have the education that you have. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) But on the flip side, I feel very comfortable in the stock market where usually I would be a little bit more of a low risk person I feel really comfortable with the long-term history of the market, Mm -hmm. sitting myself in a diversified portfolio, a bunch of different stocks and a mutual fund over a long period of time that's Mm -hmm. balanced across some large cap and some small cap and some medium cap and maybe a little international. I feel comfortable with that spread over a long time. And so when I invest in equities or in stocks, People would say, wow, David's an aggressive investor. And and if you looked at the kind of the rating out of five, one to five, I would be in the five, the red zone of, oh, that's so aggressive because Mm -hmm. it's 100% stocks in this area. Right. But I feel comfortable with those 100 companies Mm -hmm. over the next 10 years because I believe there's value in those companies. So this is interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, I love the fact that you brought this up because... It's not just the knowledge that you gain, but it's also the experience you gain as you continue to do this over and over and over again. Uh, One of the things that I've experienced over the last two, two and a half years or so is that I've had to take chances. I've opened up two different businesses, and I've never done that before. I was always just an employee collecting a paycheck. And going out there, there were several things that I didn't think were part of the process of Mm. starting a business. But yet a lot of it had to do with overcoming fears, overcoming this fear of failure, fear of letting my wife down, fear of letting myself down. And that's part of our makeup. This is this is just so much so much of this applies to investing, but it applies to life. And the fact that you have studied the market and have studied these trends and you understand this gives you that ability to say, for me, this is not a high risk. Right. Because I've looked at this and this has worked out, generally speaking, for a majority of people (laughs) who stuck with it. Right. Right. In fact, I'm thinking of two individual friends of mine who are both. One of them is almost retired. The other one has been retired for a few uh, years now. And both of them have followed this path of just putting money into the market. I don't remember if they were. I honestly don't know if they were aggressive or moderate. It doesn't matter. The point is they stayed in the market long term and continued investing it. And now both of them have a nice nest egg that yeah. they'll have more than enough to live the rest of their lives and probably leave something for their kids as an inheritance. So, my point is, I also see examples of people that have done it. Yeah. I have people in my yeah, life that are right. now living yeah. that. And that gives me a set of confidence of saying, hey, it's worked out for them. I know the information. I see now models of people that have done it. Mm-hmm. And that gives me the ability then to have even more risk tolerance because I know it's going to be okay. It's not guaranteed, but it's as close to guarantee as I can get right. to feel comfortable with right. doing it, and yeah. I think that's that's why I invest in the stock market. Because otherwise, I probably would have not never done that. Mm-hmm. I have family mm-hmm. members that do not invest in the stock market because right. they are very much uh, risk averse, mm-hmm. but they're not risky. They don't take risks when they invest in real estate. All of them invest in real estate, but to them, that's not risk. That's knowledgeable and understanding, and they have all that information. So for them, that's something they can control and determine the outcome. So that's why I think adding knowledge with experience really makes a big difference in helping you to change that risk level, or at least go after it knowing that even though it's not your nurture, you can go there because you've learned the information that's going to help you to make those choices and stick with it.
0: Yeah, I think this is really important to kind of reiterate back to our first episode, you can invest in several different places. You can mm-hmm. invest in your education, you can invest in a personal business, you can invest in other people's businesses through stocks, mm-hmm. you can invest in real estate and a number of other, you know, small one-off things. Sure. Uh, but when you have spent some time learning and researching you can move from somebody who may have a lower risk tolerance at the beginning of their journey to somebody who's very comfortable with a risk that would be uncomfortable to others, mm-hmm. but you know how to handle it. And, right. and and that is the most important thing. So we're not saying you need to do this kind of investment or that kind of investment. We're saying that the more you learn, the more you educate yourself, the more comfortable you'll, you'll be. And... Uh, we're also saying, you know, the general principle is you've got to start early, you've got to start, you know, as soon mm-hmm. as possible, start you now. want to invest over a long period of time. Yep. Uh, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago, right? right? And so or today, you know, so 10 years ago, or do it right now. So okay, we're looking at risk tolerance and how that affects our life. But now let's look at how the news might influence our daily decisions.
1: Yeah, because it's not a one-time decision that we make. It's not about saying, okay, I'm going to take this amount of money and just write a check every month and put it in this you know, set of stocks or portfolio that's diversified. It's not that easy because we are open to influence and to news and to information that challenges that decision we made one time.
0: That's right. So let's say that you've gone through and you've taken the quiz and you find yourself to be you know low risk tolerance or high risk tolerance wherever you land. I want you to realize that that's where you are today. You're not necessarily stuck there forever. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, just finding yourself in that place doesn't mean that you should not invest if you find yourself with a low risk tolerance but you never invest anything uh, then you're never going to earn money on your money That's right and you're never going to get to the place where you can you know step away from your job or move into the thing that you're passionate about where you can be freed up to mm-hmm. pursue your true life's mm-hmm. purpose so all right when you look kind of over the landscape of investing and how people have done uh, there's this great study and there's been a bunch of studies in this area but there's one where they looked at 20 years of data uh, from the year 1995 to 2015. So 20 years, they looked at the S&P 500 index, and it averaged 9.85%, which return. is basically 10%, which yep. is pretty phenomenal. Yep. Uh, that is, that's incredible. And they, they found that the S&P was about 10%, while the average equity investor, the person who's investing in stocks, mm-hmm only earned an average of 5.19%. Wow. So nearly half. Nearly half. So what happened here? Hmm. Why is this? Well, the reason is that investors are often emotional and illogical. Mm-hmm. It, it would have made sense in 1995 to buy the S&P 500 and just hold on to it, or slowly put more in incrementally Mm -hmm. uh, through dollar cost averaging, just put a little bit more each month in, it would have made more sense to do that and just hold it for 20 years. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, the news clicks on. (laughs) All of a sudden, a new piece of information comes into the equation that shakes your emotions. Uh, Investors see that the stock market starts going up. Then we're talking about 1995. Mm -hmm. Imagine that you begin to see the stock market, the bubble of all the dot-com companies. Yep. And you see Enron, right, about this time. Enron is doubling every year yep. in, in value. Oh, my gosh, I want to be in that. Yep. And Everybody then, wants to jump in. Everybody wants to jump in. Well. And then all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, look at this you know, retailer that I've never heard of. They have a, an internet domain. They must be good, right? Mm-hmm. And so you begin investing in all these companies you never heard of because the news is getting you excited. And you buy as it's going up. You buy at the high. And then things start to slow down and get cold and you get nervous and you jump out because you see that things are bad. So what you've done is you bought when it was high Mm because the news was marketing it to you. And then you sold when you got scared when it was low. And what you've effectively done is purchased the most expensive and sold it at the cheapest place. And you're losing money every time when you do that. Uh, It's like going to the store and buying something at full price, and then when it goes on sale, you return it and you only get half the money back. It's just crazy. But mm. this is what we do because we are emotional people. Uh, it's our poor judgment that leads us to oftentimes not actually get the normal rate of return. And in this study, it was five, you know, 5.19%, almost half of the 9.85% mm. uh, that the S&P returned. So this is one of the reasons that I actually feel really comfortable uh, recommending that people talk to an advisor Mm -hmm. and have a financial advisor in their life. I don't think everybody necessarily needs a financial advisor that is constantly monitoring them and helping them or they're paying a large fee to, but a, a once a year fee to sit down and have a financial checkup, to have somebody you can bounce ideas off of, a fee advisor is a great idea. Now there's other forms and models for this. I don't think it's wrong to have an advisor that you pay a percentage of your annual um, overall management that you've got with yeah, them. Whatever works. Assets under management. I think that's a problem. Uh, I think that this really highlights one of the reasons why it's good to have somebody in your corner that will help talk you off the ledge if you're about to buy high or sell low. So there's a few pieces of advice that I would recommend. Uh, just first and foremost, you've got to know this. When you're seeing these news articles come across, and we'll look at a few in a minute. One, oftentimes, if you have a plan in place and something new pops in and you get like nervous or excited, you should probably do nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had a plan in place. Uh, probably the reason for your plan hasn't changed, especially if you're a long-term investor and you've got a long horizon that you're looking at. Yep. Um, two, I think this is funny. Uh, you've got to realize that money is a little bit like a bar of soap. Mm-hmm. Anybody use bar of soap in in, in their shower anymore? I, I, I know that every time you go to grab the soap, every time you, you use the soap, it gets smaller. Mm-hmm. Every time you move your money around, It gets smaller. Your money is like a bar soap. The more you handle it, the less that you're gonna have. Uh, You should never sell your equities or your stocks in a down market. No. Uh, If it's 2009 and the market is crashing and you're getting worried, that's not the time to sell. It's actually the time to take some of your cash and put it into the market because you're buying when it's so cheap. And over the next 10 years, all it did was double and then double again yeah. to today. So all you want to do is be very aware that you should not sell your mutual funds, your diversified portfolio, uh, just because of some fear in, a, in the middle of a crazy market. And then four, realize that this long-term investment approach, uh, it's academic. People have studied this for years And it's almost impossible to beat doesn't mean that nobody's going to beat it. uh, But if you are just an average investor, you could pick up something like the S&P 500, or the total stock market index, or maybe three or four different large mutual funds, and just balance out your portfolio a little bit. And you can have some pretty good returns Mm -hmm.
1: over a long time. You know, I, I see this a little bit like if you've ever gone to a casino. It's a bit like that. It's it's the house always wins. You know, you can come in and you can put in your quarter and you can take your money and you can bet here and there. But ultimately, casinos are not meant to lose money. Right? Right? In the same way, the market is designed to operate because it's really a group of companies that are trading stock on the market. People are buying into the market. They're buying into the economy. They're buying into the health of these companies. And yes, some of them will, will come and go. But overall... The economy is going to stay strong. Sure, there's corrections, all that happens. But here's what's interesting: you struck something when you said this, uh, David. That when things go bad, people begin to sell. Mm, yeah. And what's interesting is if they actually follow what you just said, instead of actually selling when things are going down, they put more of their cash into the investments, right. into the stock market. Then that would be an indication to companies, to investors, to everyone else that, hey, we're not doing so bad. People are willing to invest. And honestly, if you look at investing, all the volatility that we see is driven by emotions.
0: Yeah, right. the fear index. They literally call it the fear index.
1: So if everybody's putting money in, that that would tell everybody, hey, it must be okay. I guess I'll put my money in too. And it would be a much quicker turnaround. The recession wouldn't last. It may not even hit a a real recession. And it may just be a, a bounce and come right back up. And I think that's the hard part about this. It has consistently worked, but because emotions get in the way, we tend to do the wrong thing. So that's why we're having this discussion today. That's why we're bringing these things up, is to help you understand that the statistics show that this works, but the news media, everything that you see in the news every day, will drive you to second guess that plan that you made, which you made on really good information. Right. So what we're saying is stop listening to the news and just stick to your plan. Yeah. Be well diversified, but stick to your plan. And look, you've got years and years and years to go. Things will turn around. Just look at the overall market and how it's done. It's going to come back. This is not the end of the world.
0: Well, and think about what gets played in the news, right? Mm -hmm. You've probably heard the cliche, if it bleeds it leads. If something crazy (laughs) is happening, let's put it as the leading article or the leading news story. Um, The media knows that scary stories are going to go past your normal filters Mm -hmm. so that when you're looking at headlines and you see something that's just kind of normal and average, you're not going to look at it. Yeah, you're not going to give it much thought. But if you see something that scares you a little bit, Mm -hmm. you are 10% more, 50% more, 100% more likely to click on that or to follow that link or to watch that story for at least 30 seconds. And it sticks in your brain longer. Mm -hmm. Now, this is interesting because when you see these fearful moments your brain holds on to that and so if you go back and you look uh, at the history or just the news over the last five years and I went uh, in you know getting ready for this episode I pulled up 2005 and I typed in recession or 2015 recession and and then I typed in 2016 and 2017 2018 and 2019 mm-hmm. and every single year and I remember this just from seeing the news over the last five years yeah every single year somebody was predicting, a recession, sure. If not a great recession right. or a large decline, right?
1: They were and, saying, and they were fifty percent, you know, hey, likely that they 50, were going to be 50. right. So why, why not? not? Why yeah. not?
0: Exactly. So, so here's some of the articles. Uh, Twenty fifteen. US could go into recession in 2015 expert opinion and then it cites plunging oil prices as the reason that 2015 yep. is the year. Yep. Guess what? 2015 wasn't the year. No. <laughs> so 2016 they come back with the headline Will the US economy slip into recession in 2016? Emerging economies are struggling. Mhm. And 2016, no recession. 2017, there's a more than a 60% chance that the global recession is coming in the next 18 months. And I love this. Because they gave him eighteen months, right? <laughs> yeah. Economists say, like which economists? And they, you know, they cite economists in the article, but it's just yeah. funny yeah. because every year there's this prediction that it's coming. This time they said, you know, high international borrowing levels, global inflation, mm-hmm. all these problems. Twenty eighteen. Here's here's six signs we're closer to the recession than you might think, mm. and the the article is just labeled recession, right? Right. <laughs> um, and and, and you so you her. see that. You think, oh my gosh, has the recession already
1: started? And you click yeah. on it. Did I miss it? Did I miss it? I was it? busy. I wasn't keeping it paying attention. Yeah, maybe I wasn't <laughs> watching enough
0: news, right? Now I gotta click on this article. Yeah. And then it lists unemployment rates and it says the yield curve is flattening and inflation is growing. And honestly, how many of you know what the yield curve is? Yeah. Uh, we'll probably do an episode on it. But but the you know the yield curve, you're thinking, well, What does that even mean? What are
1: treasury bonds? What what does this mean? What's interesting it do with is they tried to describe what it is, <laughs> right? So that you understand yeah. why it's bad. And it's like right. yeah, it's all inflammatory.
0: Yeah, so uh, speaking of inflammatory... Inflation is growing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Home sales are slowing. So either things are growing or they're slowing. And uh, you know, it, it all or they're too flat. Scary. Or they're, they're too flat. Yeah. You know, it's we've had too long of mm-hmm. a bull market. Yeah. This is according to the twenty-eight article, twenty-eighteen. We've had too many good years. This must be. We must have a bad year. Yeah, year, that's just gonna happen. That's some really good logic right there. <laughs> right. Uh, it, one one thing was the unemployment rate is too good. Like this is the lowest <laughs> it's ever been. Too many people have jobs. This is not good. Yeah, <laughs> it's the lowest it's ever been that means it can only get worse because mm-hmm. we're at the best it's ever been. Actually, it got better after that. But it's just funny. Yeah, it is. It's crazy that, you know, uh, 2019, the U.S. is likely headed for a semi-recession. Mm. Uh, and they're hedging their bets. Just a bit, yeah, they're still negative. It. Right, right. <laughs> and, and I've heard actually a bunch this year, again, of recession coming. And I'm not saying that recession isn't coming. One day, we're going to have a recession, yeah. right? That's why it's fun to, to throw these articles out and say, hey, 60% chance. Mm-hmm. You could look like a genius, you yeah. know, six months from yeah. now. But yeah. but over the last five years, the news has gotten it wrong every single year. And this is from CNBC, Washington Post, CBS, USA Today. That's all these different companies I've pulled mm-hmm. these articles from. And what I'm saying is, is that over the last five years, there's been big predictions of major losses And you just can't trust that the news is going to help you to invest because over the last five years, it didn't happen. Uh, All that's happened is the market has slowly and steadily inclined. Now, it has dipped a little bit, but over time, it's gone up. Now, maybe this is the year where it goes down, but I'm not worried about one year where it goes down. Mm -hmm because I'm looking at 20 and 30 years of investing. Yep. Uh, and if it does go down, that's the best time to buy. And this is why Leo and I are always gonna go back to our you know four main principles that yep. we teach four in finance. managing money. That's right. One is that you spend on purpose. You have a budget in place, so you know how much is coming in and you know how much is going out. Then you save before you spend. Mm-hmm. So when Leo said that you should actually use some of your cash to buy investments when the market goes down, Well, where do you get that cash from? You get it because you saved before you spent. Mm -hmm. You're following the rules. You have a budget in place. You have savings in place. Then rule three is that you increase your financial margin. And so again, you're adding more cash so that if something goes wrong, A, if you lose your job, you've got that stability fund you're taken care of. But B, if the market goes down and you've got an extra $10,000 on the side, Man, in 2009, it would have been a great time to put in ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It would probably be worth around forty thousand dollars right now yeah. in ten years. That's a pretty sweet investment. So be aware that the the blue light special is on when the market goes down. That you know, remember Kmart, like mm-hmm. the blue light mm-hmm. special. That's the yeah. time to buy. Um, it's funny because people will watch the news and allow that to inform their investing decisions. But I personally have never met a successful person in investing that was using the news and headlines (laughs) as their way to choose their investments and move money around spur the moment, right? The people who are investing over a long period of time and doing well are the people that have, they look at they they gather the data. They look at the investments. They have a long horizon. And they ignore the headlines. They ignore the headlines. Yep. That's exactly yep. it.
1: <laughs> you know, what's interesting about people who do write, the journalists and people who write for these publications, is they're not the experts. They're just taking information. And frankly, I'm just going to say these as I know it, they have a job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They need to keep their job. That's how they make their money. So every day they're going to write something. And it can't be, well, today's just like yesterday. Only the weather guys can get away with that. <laughs> Everyone else has to work for a living. And so they're going to do everything they can to grab your attention. And if that's inflaming things and making things worse than they are just to grab your attention, they're going to do it. That, right. That's just what they get paid for. And that's why so many of these actual investors that are successful you know, ignore that because mm-hmm. they know none of, none of those people really know what they're talking about. Right. That's not their expertise. They're just reporting on things that they hear. Right. Or what other people say. And that's just not a good way to invest or to plan your life right, on, on right. headline news. That, that doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was Warren Buffett, and he was kind of maybe responding to a comment about market volatility and the news and some things that were happening and what's going on in the world. Yep, and, I'm sure he gets
1: asked a lot about oh, that. Of Whenever course. there's a bad headline or things are, you know, everybody's like, what do you think, Warren? What do you think? And he probably gets upset with that.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. And, and he, you know, he gets asked this, I imagine, all the time, and, and he's got, you know, 50 plus years. Years of investing experience and mm-hmm. has attained billions of dollars because he's been one of the greatest investors of all time. And he refers to his vice president of investments that he works with, Charlie Munger. And he says, Charlie and I view the marketable common stocks that Berkshire owns as interests in businesses. Mm -hmm. So he's saying the stocks that we own and the companies that we choose with our pool of money, which is in Berkshire, uh, they say these are interests in businesses. Mm -hmm. They're not ticker symbols. This is again, going back to the quote, to be bought and sold based on charts and patterns and target prices uh, or the media, the opinions of media pundits. Instead, we believe that if the businesses of the investees are successful. if They're investing in good businesses. And we believe that most will be, he says, our investments will be successful as well. Sometimes the payoffs are going to be modest. Uh, Sometimes the cash register is going to ring loudly. They're going to make a ton of money. And sometimes they're going to make an expensive mistake. But overall, and over time, they should get decent results, he says. In America, equity investors have the wind at their back. Hmm. I think it's a great way to end this quote. Uh, He's saying that if you invest in good, healthy businesses, he says, when he looks at the stocks that they own, he doesn't look at the media. He looks at the business interest. He looks at the fact that these companies are making products that help people that are in a good position to serve more people over time. He looks at the business side and he says, you know what? In America, uh, you know we have freedom of speech. Uh, we've got private property rights. We have a government that doesn't typically over-interfere in our daily lives. And you can always argue back and forth on regulations and some <laughs> things there. Uh, but we've got a pretty good economic climate right. where we've got the wind in our back. If you're a good businessman, you can make money in America. Yes. And if you know how to invest in good businesses... The majority of those businesses over time will do well as long as you diversify your portfolio. And that's what he says. Sometimes we're going to make an expensive mistake. Sometimes the cash register is going to ring loudly and mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it'll just be modest. But he says over time, when he looks at the economic climate of America, he feels very comfortable investing in businesses that he's choosing because he believes they're going to do well. And so this this should be your thought process. If you find a home that you want to invest in in real estate and you feel comfortable with it you look at the market you can see that that area has done well you can see the taxes are appropriate that there's renters there's more people moving in the demand is going up mm-hmm. then don't be scared yeah. to invest in that property or in more than one property or in more than one property uh, if on the other hand you know real estate isn't your isn't your thing but you can see that Walmart and Home Depot and Apple and General Electric Maybe not General Electric and Walgreens <laughs> and CVS. If you can, you know, Microsoft. If you can look at these huge companies, I've been around for a long time. Been around for a long time. Yeah, and you can say, you know what? I see these companies doing well in good yeah. times and in bad. Because I'm gonna personally, you know, not to be weird, I'm gonna keep shopping at Walmart. I'm gonna keep yeah. shopping at Target. I'm yeah. gonna keep shopping wherever you know goods are sold. Right. That's nearby. That's comfortable. That has a good atmosphere to to do a business transaction, and you're gonna see that happen. Over time, these companies are going to do well. We have a good economic climate here in the U.S. So uh, if you have that same view, the stock market is probably a very good place for you to be over the long period of time. Agreed. And that's one of the things that we've talked about in this series.
1: Well, that's great. I love that example with Warren Buffett, that it's not it's not looking at the ticker symbol. And, and that's the thing I think that sometimes we miss is that we look at this stock market as a way of putting a little bit of money in and seeing a big return, but we don't see it as a long-term investment in businesses that when we actually buy stock, a mutual fund, what we're doing is we're buying into the ownership of these companies. We're betting that these companies are gonna do well. That should be our perspective rather than, I'm gonna put money in and two months later, when the stock goes to double, then I'm gonna sell it. That doesn't help that company long-term. It doesn't help its viability. It doesn't help its growth plan. But when you bet on the company long-term, then you're going to be a beneficiary of that because right. as they grow and as they grow in wealth and the stock continues to go up, your value goes up. And so that's why that's why Warren Buffett has been so successful, that he doesn't gamble. He invests in companies. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to end this episode. Is consider your investing as a long-term investment in the American economy which means in the american companies that you shop at and the products that you buy from them and if you invest in those things because you care about them and they're good to you and they're good for you then it's a good investment yeah they're going to be around they're going to continue to do what they're doing Um, And I think it's as simple as that. Don't think about it as gambling, putting money in and getting money out. Think about it as an investment that's going to help the company. But in the end, you get to reap some of the benefits. Yeah. And that's going to be good for you. Yeah.
0: And when you invest and you look at these people who have grown their wealth over time, and now they're investing millions of dollars into companies, when they invest into a company, that company uses the money to build another location and employ people and sell more products to help more people. So investors on the whole, not all the time, but the average investor is actually helping the economy, helping create jobs, helping small businesses grow and Mm. large businesses grow. And that is where the majority of our economic engine turns in America. And so you're actually helping other people when you invest. I think that's cool.
1: While you're also helping yourself. Hey, that's right. It's a (laughs) win-win. It's a win-win. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen. Uh, Just take the time to share this podcast and then of course we would love to reach that 150 reviews on iTunes we're almost there we would love an extra push from you please do it and please ask someone else you know to do the same we would love for you to also follow us on Twitter on Facebook on Instagram and let us know let us know how we can serve you better let us know what content you love to hear and what you want to hear more of if you have any questions feel free to reach out to us through leosable.com. You can contact us there. You can also go to stewardshippastors.com, David's website on biblical principles of handling money. It's continuing to grow, continuing to add more content, more resources, more videos, and his book, Jesus on Money, is coming out soon. So go on his website and pre-order that book. Help him to push through and finish this project. I think you're going to love what's going to be included in this book. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together
0: We can keep getting money right.
1: Everything that you see in the news every day will drive you to second guess that plan that you made, which you made on really good information. Right. So what we're saying is stop listening to the news and just stick to your plan.